0: You can always improve even a great job. There's always something there. This is the one and only, the original podcast where you can find yours and your business's true value. You're listening to
1: R-Value. Brought to you by America's Insulation source, IDI Distributors.
0: You want to hear from the best contractors, suppliers, and consultants that dedicate themselves to more than just survival in the
1: business world? Industry professionals that are dedicated to excellence in every aspect of their business?
0: R-Value has them all here to share that same motivation and knowledge with you. Tune in and grow a more successful, profitable, educated, and recognized business. Listen to the R-Value podcast to become the industry leader in your market. Find your value with R-Value.
1: Ken Allison here with the Our Value Podcast, and today I am interviewing Jamie Kay from the Elm Energy Group. Jamie, how are you today? I'm doing great, Ken. Thank you. And yourself? Doing well. So the Elm Energy Group, tell me, uh, how did you get started and why did you get started? I guess first, I should explain to people, Jamie has fixed thousands of homes, and it's been at the request of builders, at the request of people. But uh, the majority of them, is it safe to say the majority of them were spray-foamed, Jamie? Absolutely. So the majority were spray-foamed, and yet they needed fixed. So let me ask you, Jamie, what uh, what got you started in this?
0: Uh, well, I was a builder. Um, I was uh, starting in the building industry in the uh, early 2000s. I was doing historical renovation, and I was saving all of these pieces from these houses that I was working on thinking I was, you know, trying to be sustainable. And, uh, in 2009, um, we bought a home in this town. I live in Hilton head, uh, Island, South Carolina. We bought a home. And, um, when we finally bought it, the neighbors talked to us and told us about how many times it had flooded and never been dried. And there was mold in there. And so I started peeling it apart and, started thinking about mold in a different way and the science behind mold. And that's really what gravitated me to trying to do something that was healthy, that was efficient. I, and then, you know, that, that was back then when, when, when green was, was a, 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 not a taboo word, if you would. And um, it just kind of, it just kind of naturally gravitated to what I was doing and realizing that the mold smell in the house wasn't just because it was because of things. It was because of the built environment. It was because of building science. And um, I was a cabinet maker for a long time. So the details were important to me in cabinet making. And what I started to see was that it was really all in the details that you could do such a great job. But if the details weren't done, all of a sudden you could have had 98% of a great job. But that 2% was making you look bad, was making the house have problems. And uh, that's really what kind of was the springboard to what I'm doing and uh, still invigorated all these years later. Unfortunately, still seeing a lot of these problems all these years later. But that, that was the
1: impetus. So when I first heard anything about what you do, uh, Dr. Joe Stebrick had a blurb about the new big holes. And then come to find out, Allison Bales had a blurb about, actually had a guest post written by you about the new big holes. And so explain, you know, how how did you get into finding holes in foam projects?
0: It really kind of came down to one specific house that I uh, went to here on Hilton Head. Um, that was spray foamed in two thousand and six um maybe it was two thousand and seven, and I was by the time I was there, which was four years later or three to four years later, uh all of the grills in the home let me let me preface that i I live in a very hot, humid climate, so dew point and condensation is relentless. Um, We're always cooling things down. We've got a swamp outside. That exchange doesn't care who you are. And this one house we went to, uh, all the grills had been changed one time two years prior. They were being changed a second time. Every single supply boot in the attic was rusted. They had two huge 150-gallon or 150 pint a day uh, dehumidifiers open blow in the attic. And when I uh, did my blower door and I used some infrared to understand what was going on, I started seeing just the significant holes. There were many places that I was able to see the ocean from the attic. And this was a very high end builder here who uh, was cutting edge and putting things together and using foam early on and once i kind of exposed hey this is this is just because your your phone's not sealed he started sending me to some other of his jobs and it was one after the other after the other and that 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 article i wrote for uh, energy vanguard was 2012 and it 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 it's the same today um so that that's really what what started was a house having problems them trying to service it with a dehumidifier. Uh, that was all the HVAC guys who were getting blamed were able to do. They were getting blamed because their ductwork was condensating. Their registers were condensating. Their equipment was making water instead of realizing that, you know, no, you know, your equipment doesn't make water. Your equipment gets cold. The water outside is making the humidity in the
1: air is making water. Yeah, something's feeding moisture back into this place. Absolutely. The holes, the holes, the holes. When you did this, was it first for health or for building degradation? It was building degradation. Really? So there were structures out there. I mean, obviously, yes, it's a swamp. But there were structures out there falling apart. And the builders, how how long did it take builders to start finding you after the, the first one?
0: I haven't done any advertising, and it's just it, it's just kind of snowballed upon itself. Um, it's a very small place that we live in, so didn't take long. That was 2012 that I wrote that article. In 2000, that was early 2011 that I was at that house. Um, that summer, I decided uh, my only marketing was going to be I was going to go to the HVAC guys, all of them here locally, and tell them. So, if you're in a spray foamed attic and your duct is condensating, let's make sure that the foam is sealed first because you're getting blamed for this and it may not be your fault. Make sure you're right sizing your air conditioning system, make sure you're doing the good things there. But if that's done, that, that, that's not your fault. And then I conversely went to the insulators and said, hey, you better make sure that you're sealing up your duct or your, your envelope. And let's make sure that these HVAC guys, uh, you know, let's make it their problem that they didn't right size their system. That's them. So that's kind of how I uh, let it um, grow and helped it grow. But it didn't take long before uh, we realized there was there was an epidemic.
1: So to date, how many homes do you feel you've uh, gone out and. Fixed and been a part of?
0: Uh, We've been a part of probably between 3,500 and 4,000 homes where we've done the test in and test out process. Back then, when I went to that house, I really just identified things. Hey, here's what your problem. A lot of times we were taking spray paint and spray painting the areas, letting the insulators come back and and, and handle it themselves. What we found out in 2012, we were going back to a lot of those same homes because. The process that we use, this blower door guided air sealing process, gives you this immediate feedback. You feel the wind on your hands. You know what you got. You fill the hole up. You don't feel the wind anymore. You can feel pretty confident.
1: So just so that everybody understands out there, because they, they probably haven't seen this yet. If we take a house that's finished, we'll say, whether it was glass or foam or anything, if it's been air sealed. You go back with a blower door and an infrared camera. You run the blower door and then go around and find where the air is still leaking in. Is that pretty much summary of it? When you find those, you used to allow someone to come back and fix it themselves. Blind, we'll call it, meaning without a blower door and an infrared camera. And that wasn't even working. Even when you marked places for them. Without being there and being able to do it at the time, they were blind. So at this point, you now go in with the blower door and the infrared camera, and at the time that you find it, you fix it. Jamie's gone out in roughly 4,000 houses and done this and found what the industry experts started calling the new big hole which really was coined by you. But my question to me, have you ever found one that didn't need fixed? You can always improve
0: even a great job. There's always something there. I I have not been to one home in any of those homes that that we weren't able to find air leaking in. Some of it has been so insignificant, I would say, in the 5% of those houses it's been such a small amount that we've been able to improve. It probably wouldn't have had a significant impact on the home, but there's not a home that we've been to that we haven't been able to find something,
1: not one. So with that in mind, say, you know, one and a half ACH is good enough. Um, what percent of phone jobs do you feel get a really good air seal of the ones that you've seen?
0: Well, so on those homes that we've done this test in and test out process, uh, kind of an average is between what we say is a great job when we show up, we're going to end up with a 10% to a 25% air sealing reduction. That's a great job. Um, the average is usually between 30 to 50% air leakage reduction. And that's usually with about five or six cans of foam. Uh no two-part kits, no two-part foam, just just single part can foam. And then we have the other ones that are just, you know, uh gross issues, uh, cantilevers, open rim bands, all kinds of things. As far as ACH 50, I love being able to put a number on it, but we get probably 10% of our houses that are below one, one or below. We get about another. that are between one to two. And then up from there, we've had a lot of homes here that um, people still uh, do the hybrid home where they're, you know, still believe the home needs to breathe and they're putting fiberglass in the walls because of that and uh, neglecting to do all of those good air sealing details in those walls before they put the fiberglass up.
1: So, I guess what I'm looking at is if you're still seeing in foamed houses, three, four, five ACH, that's that's pretty incredible in terms of leakage. Now, when we were talking, you did mention one that was fairly airtight, but you had a three-quarter inch hole that ruined a set of stairs?
0: Yes. Yes. We did a home uh, for a a builder here that is absolutely leading the charge uh when and and, you know no pun intended but he's pushing the envelope he's doing a lot of exterior insulation um he's blocking out from the soffit to the roof deck with sheathing and 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 masticing or caulking that getting it really prepped for foam which we see in our area as still a um a a a chasm and a a canyon of, of of problems of them expecting the foam insulators to show up and you know, stuff fiberglass or put Tyvek up or do something to, to foam these areas. So this guy really, really pushes that envelope and gets it prepared. But, uh, that this house was at one around one ACH 50 when we did all the testing. And then, um, a couple of months later, uh, I get called back because the uh, set of stairs up to the bonus room, uh, all the treads were, were buckling. And, um, so we get over there, we use our, use our, uh, blower door infrared could see the stairs lighting up with color. And uh what it was, they had uh several bath fans running and uh it created a negative pressure and there was one three quarter inch hole underneath the stairs that, that someone had drilled for a wire and it was just feeding that was where the negative air was coming from. Again, we live in a swamp and so that was just hot, humid air being sucked into and absorbing into all of this dry uh, material and, and doing what it does and um it was as simple as a we needed to create this this gentleman took all these fan tech fans and and switched them over to ervs to create a balanced pressure um and uh we plugged that hole with a little can of foam and and that was enough that was three years later and everything's happy and uh, happy and good to go
1: Explain your story of Yeti versus Igloo.
0: (laughs) Teaching these classes to to insulators here, um, I often ask them, you know, so what do you think the difference is in the the insulation in the Igloo and the cooler and the insulation in the Yeti cooler? And uh, I've been fortunate to have some good people around me who, who knew about that. And they said, you know, it's the same exact foam, same exact foam in the Igloo cooler as the Yeti cooler difference there. Only difference, you know, Yeti has a little bit thicker of a plastic, but that's that, that's pretty much it as far as the uh, the coat, if you would, that cooler, if you would. And what is the difference? The difference is Yeti love and Orca, all these other ones who've come from that point, uh, love to sell a three hundred dollar uh, rubber gasket around the top of it that enables it to seal really tightly that your, your your igloo coolers they have a plastic clip and every time you start clipping it you start abrading it and one year later you go to clip it down and one of them pops free all of a sudden it doesn't work the same the yetis have these rubber handles that you could replace if if they corrode from uv it's all about creating something tight so when i'm teaching this to these, these insulators. So my 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 comment is: You're you're selling a Yeti cooler. You're sell, you're not putting fiberglass. You're not putting a an inexpensive product that should create a lot of labor. You're putting in a a, a a a different product. So don't sell a Yeti cooler and deliver an igloo. Make sure that it's sealed.
1: So let me ask you this: Can you get it too tight? What a good question, Ken.
0: Um, that is the failing of the industry right there. We're dealing with the legacy of builders uh, who built, you know, many, many decades before. And, um, of course, the answer to that question is no. That the old, the old saying was, you know, let a house breathe. And as we know from BPI and HERS and all of these things, you know, uh, the new montage is uh, build it tight and ventilate it right. And uh, you know when I when people ask me that, I often say, um, "Can a submarine be too tight?" That would be a no. That would be a no. And it can stay underwater for weeks at a time if it needed to be. Um, they have some great technology that allow them to clean that air. And really, that's it. You know, it's not the house that needs to breathe; it's us. It's the occupants that need to breathe. We need to dilute the stuff that's in that house. We need to, you know, teaching this, uh, for the local homebuilder association, I've, I've had oftentimes some of the chief building officials here, uh, ask me, you know, this is just great. These are the guys that are leading the code departments and they'll say, you know, this is crazy that we are, uh, building a house and sealing it up. And then we're plugged, we're putting a hole in it to bring in fresh air. And, You know, do you really would you like to know where it's coming from or would you like to just hope that it's coming from somewhere that's good? Because we know that air that comes through walls or from crawl spaces or from garages, uh, oftentimes that's not good quality air. It's definitely not filtered and preconditioned and and all the things that can come from it. So, no, uh, we, we can't build a home too tight. We can just do improper ventilation. That still can create very sick homes when they're done really well. And if you leave out that ventilation portion, you've kind of not done, done what you should have done.
1: Even when we're talking about cathedrals, you'll find a lot of leakage down at the top plate. You know, we were talking the other day and, you know, explain why rafter tails are a big deal.
0: Rafter tails, uh, <clears throat> something we've kind of called sistered framing, uh, just because people in the framing industry understand if you have a rotten joist and or, or something, or you need some extra support, we can always put another one next to it to help uh, increase that 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 structural integrity and the, the stability of it. But uh, a lot of times here we have exposed rafter tails. It's a design that's uh, that's desirable for many, where you're not having uh, your eaves aren't getting any. Uh, coverings and you know the, the rafter tails themselves are exposed well we can't put a uh, piece of wood out there that is not uh, pressure treated so a lot of times we'll have our um, regular uh, two by eight two by ten whatever it is and then they'll the, the last part of it they'll sister the, uh, um, the the pressure treated lumber to continue outside and you know Inevitably, even when you get good frame merge, if you go back and forth at that scene, you can just see outside, although it may be really small. Um, house we did just last week. Fantastic house. Tested in at 1.5 ACH 50, tested out at 0.9 ACH 50, and uh, at least 75% of that leakage came from just these these cistern framing rafter tails and this happened to be in a house that was going to have wood uh, v-groove wood on the ceiling no real drywall to mention and uh, again everybody likes to talk about relative humidity but really what we need to be talking about is dew point and what is that moment where uh, water likes to absorb into these materials regardless if you like it or not at that point, when we start getting down to 1.5, like Joe Siebert said, you know, uh, and, and says that, we'll start chasing pennies after that point when it comes to energy efficiency and comfort, but really it becomes down to durability and, um, and health uh, of the home that you're not ruining a product that's up there just because you forgot to do those, those little seams. So this cistern framing, um, these, these seams at the top plate, they're just so critical.
1: I know when uh, we did the Matt Risinger house, at the framing stage, no foam in it, it was 0.97 ACH. But you said on average, the houses that you go out and do with three to five cans of foam, you're dropping 1,000 to 1,500 CFM. Where do you see the number one and number two places missed? And I'll preface that because if I'm down in the occupied space. If I want to see how well a foamer does, a very wise man told me lay on the floor because then you can see under all the electrical boxes, you can see under all of the window sills, which is normally where they just don't get down far enough to make that seal and that connection. So where have you found the top violations or the top places missed?
0: I often get this question when I'm there. How are you going to find this? Sometimes we show up and there's, you know, um, the temperature outside and the temperature inside is so close that thermal imaging just has has no viability when we show up. Of course, once we've run this test for a while um, and hopefully it's heated up during the day, we start to get um, a, a temperature difference. They say, "How do you find these?" And um, uh, basically, it's you know the field of the piece of plywood is not leaking. Um, our number one is at the top plate connection, that what we see happening is that um, these guys are uh, standing on scaffolding. They're spraying down to the soffit. It may look like it expands, but I would say instead of laying on the ground, get up on the top rung of that ladder and put your eyes at the top plate and that right there is probably the number one issue that we find is that they just don't get it down that they're they're standing back and they're spraying and they're not just taking that one extra step they're here instead of being here at that top plate i think the number two uh issue is um is rim bands um, more so on where you have a front porch that comes in and a second floor that cantilevers over, and how they're blocking those things out. Um, TJI's web trusses, what have even conventional framing and conventional uh, nominal lumber. Um, those are those are two of the top places that not only uh, are and can be significant leakage points, but all of a sudden if you're bringing air into the middle of a floor system all bets are off of where it wants to go and what what it wants to do
1: again sistered framing you have an exterior build coming to the interior being sistered up against existing joist on the inside and nobody sealing that area you know i feel for the insulators because it is impossible to push framers and push
0: builders like we need to. Uh, we often say to these builders, <clears throat> if you're going to build a spray foam, if you're going to spray foam the home, get it prepared for spray foam. And so I would love to see them notching pieces of lumber for, for TJIs and sliding it in there and can foaming it at the exterior edge of the, uh, the top plates before these guys show up. You know, I don't know what they do, um, you know, what you get to see, but we get to see a lot of insulators use fiberglass as blocking with open cell foam needing to be a certain thickness before it becomes an air barrier, all of those things. So many times when we go up and we start doing these inspections, we can see little bits of the fiberglass where they shaved the foam. Uh, We can see little edges of fiberglass and, you know, Again, they they're doing what they have to do to continue that project to move forward, but um, is that is that that's not the best thing for that house?
1: Let me ask you. This is again kind of a loaded question, but how many insulators out there do you believe should have a blower door and an infrared camera? Loaded question again. Yes, very very loaded.
0: I, I think. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, I feel for the, uh, the single operators uh, out there that are operating one, maybe two trucks. I think everyone should have. I, th- I think they all, no doubt, 100% could learn from it, get to better from it if they themselves are out there using it. They know where they were standing on that scaffolding. They know when they weren't laying on that ground. They know how they were applying it and what they have to do. When we show up to touch things up, we're not improving their process. And, you know, John Tooley has that really famous quote that says, you know, products don't improve processes. Processes improve processes. The same products we've used for 100 years can build and render efficient homes. Um, And, So each of these insulators could just take their level of liability down, integrity up, productivity up, all of those things, if they were able to see it. Because, you know, I have videos out there will show plastic wiggling, show infrared, you know, throw dust in the air and watch it go away with the blower door all of those things. But until they put their hand on it and feel the air hitting them, that's the aha moment. So um, I I think it should be every single insulator with three or more rigs should be mandated to have a blower door and go out there and do do the training, do their their quality assurance after they've done their installation. But I think every single one of them Uh, absolutely can benefit um, from a blower door, not only to uh, improve what they're doing, get better at what they're doing, but but really importantly, uh, reduce liability.
1: That is awesome. Jamie, thank you so much for your time today. And and guys, by all means, go check out ElmEnergyGroup.com. That's Jamie's company. You'll see some of the stuff on there. Check him out on YouTube. Look for the article he did with Allison Bales. But Jamie, I, I have to tell you, I appreciate what you do for our industry and how you show people to lower their liability and build great houses.
0: Well, thank you, Ken. Building better and healthier homes is, uh, is what drives me, and I appreciate you having me on.